Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. Thank you, Tyler and Noah. That was Baseball with the Bard every Sunday at 11. And they're going to have even more news to talk about this week because we saw what Toronto has done in, in, the, last, uh, in, the, in the last 10 hours. They've really improved their outfield. But we got to get to uh, get to our show, Sports Talk with R&J. Uh, I'm Steve Risser along with Justin D'Onofrio. But before that, we'll obviously talk about what just happened about an hour ago as Joe Biden has been inaugurated as our 46th president of the United States. Um, if you voted for her or not, this is this is new, and you, and 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 everybody sh- should be supportive of the move. And Justin, your your quick thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, definitely, it's kind of a time where we all need to kind of have you get you know country come together. You know, so yeah, if you voted for them or not, you know, we all got to be supportive of each other and try to rebuild um, everything right now. You know, it's just, we're not all in a great place right now. Absolutely, absolutely. But we got to get sports, and we're going to start with this weekend, conference championship weekend. I mean, you got obviously the Packers, the Bucks, the Chiefs, and and the Bills. And my takeaway with these four teams are, you could argue, these are the best quarterbacks in the league that are playing on championship Sunday. Obviously, it's the top three with uh, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Josh Allen. Brady, you could argue. You could argue if Brady's top five or not. I mean, you, I mean, maybe you could put Wilson or Watson ahead of him, but you could put Brady ahead of uh, Watson or Wilson, seeing the way Brady has played at the end of the season. But I think what this is showing us now in football is is this is a this is an offensive league. This is a league where you have to be aggressive. This whole mantra, defense wins championships, is not true anymore. It's just not true. It's 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 not it's not accurate. You you can't tell me that defense wins championships anymore because it doesn't. I mean, if you look at the teams that are left, these are all these are all teams with really good quarterbacks and great offenses. Those these are the team. Those are the four teams that are left. The if you look at the look at the the uh, Packers, great offense, defense. Is above average to good, but it's not great. Uh, but they're there because of Aaron Rodgers. The Buccaneers—they're probably the team that's there—that's there because of their roster the most out of any of the four teams because their defense is the best of the four remaining teams. But still, they have issues in their secondary. But you know, but and but the big re- but the biggest reason why they're here is, is Tom Brady. The uh, and then you look at the teams, the two teams in the AFC, and then and that's and they're there because of the two quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, and they're there because of uh, Josh Allen. And their defenses are good to above above average to good, but they're not the reason why they're here. So yeah, your defense can't be terrible like the Dallas Cowboys, but you you if you have a good to above average defense and a top quarterback, you have a very very good chance of competing for a Super Bowl in two thousand twenty. In two thousand twenty, that's the reality of the sport. The sport has changed. The rules have changed. You can't hit anyone high. You can't hit anyone low. They've changed the catch rule. They changed the roughing the pass rule. Every single rule has slanted in favor of the offense. So these teams that want to play great defense and run the full, like the Baltimore Ravens, I'm sorry, you're going to have trouble winning the championship. Justin, your thoughts on that? Yeah, you're right. You know, it's it's all tailored to more offensive game now, you know. Again, that's where you get – now, I know the NFL is always getting ratings, but you're going to get more ratings of offense instead of these – you know, instead of 10 to 7 games, you know. Um, it, it's definitely so much more tailored now to the offenses, if you like it or not. Um Again, you know, some of the rules, yeah, are not great, but um, what they're doing. But, yeah, um, right now it's definitely right, you know, right right there with three of the top quarterbacks and Tom Brady is still one of the best game managers. You could put him in the top five. I'm with you, you know, or you, you know, 
Watson or Wilson or someone else up, you know, as a top five. But yeah, you know, it's offensive, and you know that's why we're not, you know, that's why the Re- the Ravens got knocked out. You know, great defense again, Lamar. You know, um, Lamar's got evolved his passage. We know then. With the Rams, you know, Jared Goff, he's an okay quarterback, a low average quarterback, but yeah, they had the top defense. But again, that they, you know, yeah, it doesn't win you football games anymore. Right now, we definitely do have, you know, three of the top quarterbacks right there, and it should be two really fun games hopefully on Sunday. Absolutely. Speaking of Tom Brady, I think our first question is with the Buccaneers. Before we break down the game, our first question with the Bucs is, how big of a difference has he made with the Buccaneers this year? And in my opinion, I think he's made a really big difference. I, the, the Buccaneers have had not made the play had not made the playoffs since 2007. They hadn't had uh, they they really had one winning season the last decade. That was 2016. That was Jameis Winston's best year. So I think he has made a huge difference for the Buccaneers this year. I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, they haven't turned the ball over as much last year. You know, Jameis Winston had 30 interceptions. Yes, this roster is really good. I get it. This is one of the best rosters in the league. But Brady is still a top 10 quarterback and and arguably a top five quarterback. He threw 40 touchdowns at the age of 43. I think he's made a big difference for the Buccaneers. And let's be honest, if they don't have Tom Brady, they're not playing on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you. Um, Tom Brady's still right there. I still think he's... The, probably the best game manager in the game still. Um, he's been so good at that. You know, and when you're talking about turn, their turnovers, last year they were ranked 32nd. This year um, they're fourth in the league. So, yeah, you know, I think it's he's also kind of brought a winning culture with him. I think he's brought a winning attitude. And, um, you know, they, again, he's a winner. And it just, I think, helped that whole locker room out um, to bring a guy like Tom Brady in for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, it, it's a good roster but they're kind of missing that one piece and Tom Brady's filled it perfectly. And yeah, you know, he, he's been a huge spark for this team, for this Buccaneers uh, team and fan base who, yeah, you know, haven't had much success since 2007 and, you know, you know, lately besides that one, one year, 2016, but yeah, he, he's really helped out this, this Tampa team. And he shows, you know, when, you know, who knows when this guy's enough wear down because he still doesn't still not 43. I wouldn't be surprised he's playing until he's 46 or 47. He's just been – he's just amazing. He's obviously the greatest of all time. And, but we got a couple questions on the Packers. To, to, to give us those questions, we are going to have our friend Hector Velasquez give them to you. Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. My name is Hector Velasquez. I'm from the Hard Hitting Wrestling Show. You can tune in to us live every Tuesday night at 8 Eastern time. So, gentlemen, I have a question for you guys. Um Seeing how the Green Bay Packers have advanced over to the NFC Championship game for the second consecutive year, here's my question for you. What is the difference in your eyes between the last year's 13-3 and Green Bay Packers and this year's 13-3 and Green Bay Packers? Is this year's team better? And here's the reason why I ask this, because it seems that history has shown that as great as a quarterback Aaron Rodgers is, the Packers do not have a good resume when it comes to the playoffs. Green Bay has finished in first place 18 times since the Super Bowl merger. And here's what they've done. They've won three Super Bowls, but they've also lost three wild card games. They've lost five divisional games. And when it comes to conference championship games, they've lost five of those along with losing a Super Bowl. Okay. And also, the reason I bring up the record of 13 and three, because 
when they finished 13 and three, they've won one Super Bowl, but they've lost the Super Bowl in 1997. They've lost the NFC Championship game in 2007 and in 2019, which was last year. So that's why I posed the question, is this 13 and three team better or was the last year's team better? I would like to hear from you guys. Yeah, thank you, Hector. And a good comment by Jace, Hector preaching the truth. And here, here's my opinion about the, the Packers. And I think that first we'll talk about the differences between the two teams from this year to last year. I think the one of the big two differences between these two between the uh, between those two teams. One is the play of Aaron, the play of Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers has definitely been better this year. And I think this the big reason is is the second year with him and Matt Lafleur's scheme. I think he's learned this offense well, and the numbers show it. Uh, Forty-eight touchdowns versus five interceptions versus uh, 26 touchdowns versus uh, four interceptions. So the numbers show that Rodgers has had a better year. Second, I think their defense is a little bit better too. I think Jari Alexander has emerged into one of the top corners in the league. And I think against the run, their defense has been better against the run. Last year, we remember, they were 25th against the run last year. This year, they were only 13th against the run. Yeah, that step, step might be a little bit skewed because of them being ahead in a ton of games and teams being forced to pass the ball. But still, the pack, I think the defense is a little bit better too. And to answer the question, in my opinion, are they a better team? They absolutely are a better team. And I think a big reason for that is the two reasons I just brought up. And I think the schedule, too. I think the schedule was a little bit easier for the Packers last year. If you look at some of the Packers' wins last year, they beat only three teams that were playoff teams. They beat the Vikings twice, and they beat the Chiefs once. But in, in the second Viking win in Minnesota, Dalvin Cook did not play in that game. And in the game where they beat Kansas City, uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't play in that game. So I think they got a couple breaks there in some of those games. So I didn't think they were – I thought they were 13-3 and three last year, but they weren't as good as their record. And 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 and, and that, that held true in the NFC Championship game as the Niners completely ran all over them. This year, if you look at this year's Packers team, they were going 13-3. and three. If you look at some of their wins, they, in week three they got a humongous win in New Orleans. That was a huge win because that was the biggest reason why they got home field advantage. And, and, and uh, here we go with Chase. They don't have the best linebacker in the NFL anymore with Blake Martinez. That's why they're – oh, stop it. Blake Martinez didn't have a good year last year. If you read Pro Football Focus, Blake Martinez was – his grade was like a 50 or a 60, 60 this year. Blake Martinez improved a lot last year, and there's no way, no way Blake Martinez is the best linebacker in football, Chase. Not at all. I'll take Darius Leonard. I'll take uh, Bobby Wagner. I'll take Demario Davis. I'll take Fred Warner. There are, there are at least five linebackers I'm taking over Blake Martinez. So stop it with the whole, oh, Blake Martinez is the best linebacker in the game. Blake Martinez is top ten, I'll give you that. But and, and he had a really good year for the Giants, but that he did not have that good of a year with the Packers. That's why the Packers didn't re-sign him last year. So, no, the Packers definitely were a better team, are definitely a better team this year. And I think what's proven this year why the Packers are a better team with their schedule is they've beaten four playoff teams. They've beaten uh, – they obviously beat New Orleans, beat Chicago twice, and they beat Chicago in a game they needed to win to get into the playoffs. And they and they beat Tennessee. And they don't, don't not only just beat Tennessee, they crush Tennessee. So the wins are definitely more impressive with the Packers this year. So the Packers are definitely a better team uh, than they were last year. And I think – and lastly, what Hector talked about, about uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, I think a big reason why he's only been to one Super why Green Bay has failed in the postseason is is because of their defense. If you look at all the playoff losses Green Bay has had, the playoff loss in 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 two thousand and uh, in two thousand nine to the Cardinals is in his first, in Rodgers' first playoff game, the team gave up over forty points. Even though Rodgers threw a pick to to Carlos Dansby to 
for the Cards to win the game. The Cardinals gave up over 40 points in that game. Their play, they won the Super Bowl in 2010. 2011, their playoff loss to the Giants, they gave up 37 points. Uh, 2012, playoff loss to the, uh, to, to the 49ers gave up 37 points. 2013, Rodgers, number one, wasn't 100%. And uh, and uh, Colin and and the Packers defense didn't make a stop when they needed to. 2014, we all all know what happened there. They had the game won, and they couldn't recover an onside kick, and that's why they lost that game. 2015, Rodgers made probably one of the best plays you'll ever see on that hail mary to tie the game, and then the defense first drive in overtime gave up a touchdown. 2016, Rod, the year Rodgers should have been the MVP, he pretty much carried that team to the AFC title game, and they got crushed. Gave up over 40 points. 2017, obviously, he was hurt. He, 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 did, he, he got hurt. 2018, the season hurt. And last year, the defense couldn't stop the run. They've, they've only won once. A lot of that has been by Roger undoing. Justin, you're on all, all the, all, everything Hector said. Yeah, thank you, Hector, for the questions. Um, I'll start with the difference between this Packers team and last year's. Yeah, you know, again, with yeah, being in Matt LaFleur's system for a second year really helped develop Rodgers. Since that week 11 game against the Colts, he's now up to 23 touchdowns and one interceptions. So, you know, Rodgers has really elevated, elevated his game, you know, in the second half of the year. Um, again, on play-action passes, too, I think he's got, like, 21 touchdowns, one interceptions. His completion percentage is, like, 70 or 75%. You know, um, he's been great off the play-action. Yeah, their defense has improved a bit. Um, and, you know, definitely the schedule, you know, yeah, you know, I, I forgot how bad their schedule was last year. You know, I thought this, you know, this year's wasn't a whole lot tougher. It was a little bit more tougher, but they were more um, impressive wins. I felt like, yeah, yeah. It was a, yeah. Um, a little bit more impressive from last year's, um, from last year's team, but yeah, it's before, you know, the second year, I think um, Christian Kirksley's been a nice addition at linebacker. I know he hasn't been great, but I think, you know, um, a decent pick is a middle-round guy. Um, you know, I, I think injuries, they had a couple injuries too last year towards the end of the year, I believe, too. So, um, I, you know, I, I definitely think this team has definitely improved on the defense side of the ball and offensively too. And, and again, maybe drafting even Jordan Love really put a spark in Aaron Rodgers this year to – really go out and prove something because he's been able to do it. I, I just, you know, there's just something different. I feel like about this, this, um, backers team. And then from years past, I, you know, you're talking about, you know, defense, you know, I think it's also, you know, the coaching too. I think it's before so far, I don't, you know, has a, it's only been year two, but it seems like he's on track to be better than Mike McCarthy as, as we've kind of seen down in Dallas this year that, Rogers, you know, probably telling the truth and about about McCarthy. So I also think some of the players, you know, it's coaching because you know, you're not recovering onside kick. Like, you know, that, that's something you don't see every day. But yeah, I I do think this Packer team's better um, than last year's team. And then um, the second question about um about Ro Ray with Rogers, I can't. Uh, it, it, why Rodgers is only uh, won one Super Bowl. Okay, so I, I kind of guess I talked about that a second ago. You know, with the um, with the coaching McCarthy, with the defense, um, and the Packers too haven't really put a ton around him. Um, you know, he's always you know he's had Adams, but they never drafted you know a ton of weapons for him. It was kind of like you know the last two years in New England with Brady. 
you know, it was kind of use what you got. They didn't really benefit him a lot. Um, you know, Robert Tonya has been a huge, you know, he's really stepped up this year at tight end. Um, I think he's found some new pieces as well this year. So, um, you know, I, I think it's some of the some of the Packers didn't really help him out a bunch. You know, I think some of it was Mike McCarthy, and then uh, some of it, yeah, was that you know defensive performance in the playoffs that you talked about. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Those things pretty much factored into the reason why Rodgers uh, only has one Super Bowl. But we're gonna get to the game and the NFC Championship game between uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, the Bucks and the Packers, and, I, and this is gonna be a really exciting game. I think uh, they did meet in Week Six. Both of these actually are ironic. Are, are, uh, Rematches of Week Six games that the that the uh, that the Bucks and the Chiefs won, but in this game, I think it's going to be a close, competitive game. I think that uh, Tampa Bay is going to be able to have success in the football. And uh, and Hector, thanks for your input, gener- uh, gentlemen. We completely appreciate it. Thank you very much, Hector, for coming up with those questions. We're, yes, we really appreciate it. We'd love to hear. We'd love to have more questions from you in the future. So thank you so much, Hector, for coming up with the questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think we're back to the NFC title game. I think this game is uh, going to be a close, competitive game between these two teams. I think it'll be a different game from how it was in Week Six. It won't be a blowout. I think, but I do think the difference is going to be. I think Tampa Bay is going to be the team that has more success running the football with Ronald Jones and with Leonard Fournette. They ran the ball pretty well last week against New Orleans. I think they have more success uh, running the football this week in this game. Uh, I think I think it's a really close competitive game. I think uh, that I think that uh, the Packers they move the ball well on uh, on 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 Tampa Bay. I think that Tampa Bay moves the ball well on Green Bay. But I think the difference is there's going to be the Tampa's going to run the ball more, and I think Tampa is going to force that turnover. They forced four last week. I still think they're going to force a turnover. That's going to give them a short field. And I think ultimately that's going to end up making the difference. And I got the Bucks going to the Super Bowl. I got Tom Brady going to his tenth Super Bowl. I got the Bucks. Beating the Packers in a close one. This was a really tough one for me this week. 32-27. So I don't have so I have the Packers losing their fourth NFC championship game in seven years. But Justin, we know Rodgers is the MVP of the league. Can he finally get the Packers past the NFC title game and get to the Super Bowl for the first time in 10 years? You know, I want to see him get there. You know, uh, I guess, you know, but I, I you don't want your, you don't want your guy Brady winning? Not really. I don't. All right. I just. I. I just don't want to see him win another uniform. I. I know maybe selfish. Oh, yeah. I, I. But it's not. I it's, it's not. It's not him. It's. All it's right. you guys. For that's why he left. I mean, you know that. Yeah, I know it's us. I, I've said that all year. I know. I know why he left. I, I don't. You know. I don't blame him for leaving. I just. I just. I don't want to see him win in, a, in a, another uniform other than New England. That you know. So I. I guess I am cheering for the Packers. Um, yeah, I cheer for them during the regular season. I just I don't know. Um, but anyways, back you know, I just think Brady's been here so often. It just feels like the way they won in New Orleans last week. You know, they weren't great. They just found ways to win. They you know the four turnovers. I just feel like you know Brady takes those opportunities and just runs with it. And I, I you know. Um, it's crazy, you know. Green Bay's hosting the first NFC Championship game in 55 years. Um, oh no, oh seven was the first. Oh, the last time they I heard 55 or 55 years ago. No, oh they oh seven they hosted against the Giants in that really cold game. Remember, in, in like yeah, the, they, the game where it was really cold. Who they play? Again? They played the Giants. They beat the remember oh, the Giants. Oh, that's who the Giants had to do. To, yeah. That's what that's who the Giants had to beat to put to, to. Then they yeah. played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Okay. Yep. Okay. I forgot. Okay, yeah, so I don't – yeah, so that was uh, – that's bad. Um, 
throw at the game there. But um, I, I think Rodgers is, um, you know, he's been so good. And I think the thing that Tampa and Brady's, in, you know, Brady and Bucks are going to do offensively, I think they're going to keep the ball out of Rodgers' hands. Brady, you know, I was talking about such a great game manager. I feel like Brady's going to make sure that they're going to have just methodical drives, five, six, you know, five, six-minute drives, and keep Aaron Rodgers off the field in that offense. And it's going to be hard for them to um, kind of come back if the Packers or if the Bucks win time of possession. Um, I think the Bucks are going to have, you know, um, be able to run the ball. But I think, you know, the Packers will be able to as well. As long as, you know, if Rodgers doesn't turn over, I think he can get out to a fast start and make the Bucks kind of play catch up. You know, they have a good chance in this game. But I, I just – I don't – I just don't know um, to see Brady losing. I don't know. You know, I just – I you know, I don't I don't see the Bucks their Tampa Bay – you know, Tom Brady losing a game like this. I don't know why. I just I think I've seen it before. Yeah, it's going to be really close between the two teams. I think something something a lot of people aren't talking about is Vita Vea coming back too. He's a really good. He's the Bucks' best run stuffer. The Bucks have one have the best run defense in football. Via Vea is a Via Vea is a really good run stuffer. I think that could be a big key in the game because you saw even though Aaron let's 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 because we know Aaron Donald wasn't close to 100 percent last week, but still, I mean, the Green Bay had a lot of success running the football against the Rams. I don't think they're going to have that kind of success against the uh, against the Buccaneers and. And with the weather conditions, even though Green Bay is used to it, Brady's also used to it on the other side. So I don't think it's going to affect the Bucks' offense that much because Brady's so used to, to bad playing in bad weather because he did it for years in New England. So, and I do think that run game is going to that lack. I think the Bucks will run the ball better. I think that makes a little bit of a difference between these two teams. Yeah, you know, you're spot on. You know, I, I forgot you today. I saw yeah come off the IR yesterday. <clears throat> um, so yeah, you know, if he's able to stuff the Packers run and make make Packers one-dimensional in that weather. Yeah, it, it, you know, it could be difficult for the Packers to um, be able to get drives going, if, you know, if they're one-dimensional. And then, yeah, if the, you know, because the Bucks, yeah, I think they will have success. And, again, I feel like time of possession definitely could meet something in this game, especially how, you know, cold it is. You keep Rodgers on that sideline for a while, and, you know. Um, you know, it, it could be a huge factor in that game, so. Yeah, they, they grab the you know Vita Vea could definitely be a huge factor in this game for Tampa Bay. Absolutely, absolutely. But we got to get to the AFC Championship game between two MVP candidates. You got a uh, Josh Allen, and you got a uh, and you got uh, Patrick Mahomes. This should be this is a rematch of Week Six again. And in that Week Six rematch, the Chiefs really ran the ball all over the Bills. That was a big reason why they won that game. I think this game is going to be completely different. I think the weather is going to be fine in Kansas City on a. Uh, on Sunday night, and I think this is going to be two teams throwing the football a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of points. I think this game's going to, game's going to be back and forth uh, down the field. You're not. I think the punters could take a day off for both these teams because you're not. I don't think you're going to see them at all. I think it's going to be back and forth, up and down the field with these two offenses. Yeah, the Bills' offense only scored ten points on offense last week, but that was a windy day against a good defense. Uh, Kansas City's defense is not as good as Baltimore's defense. I think I think it's going to be up and down the field, but I think it's a close game coming down to the end, but. I just got it. I never pick against Patrick Mahomes. I and we all know he's questionable uh, to play. We all know that he's probably going to play him. He's going to practice. He's practicing, practicing today. So I feel like that. The, I never pick against Mahomes in a very, very high-scoring game. I got the Chiefs returning to the Super Bowl and beating the Bills 34-27. But Justin, 
we know Josh Allen has had a really good has had a great year for the Bills, but can their defense contain do enough to contain Mahomes and get to the Super Bowl? Uh, it's tough. It's tough to contain the Kansas City offense, as we know. I have Kansas City winning this one 31-24. Um, you know, Buffalo the first time tried, you know, taking away everything over the top, and that opened up the running game big time. And that's, and that's the thing when you face Kansas City. You, you know, you could try to take away Tyree Kill and all those weapons, but they still, you know, they have a good running game to feed off, you know, when that's not there. They were able to exploit that. They had the ball for like 36 minutes. You know, they pretty much dominated that game, um, you know. And, again, the thing, you know, Buffalo gave up 450 yards to Phillip Rivers. You know, no, you know, Phillip been a great quarterback, but as we've seen the last few years, he's not the same guy anymore. And now you go up against Patrick Holmes at, in Kansas City, it's going to be tough. And it, it does worry me that Buffalo is not going to be able to get enough stops. They're going to, you know, any um, opportunity that Mahomes gives them – Mahomes actually had the most um, intercepts and drops in the league this year. He had like 17 of them. So, it, you know, he throws a ball at you. You got to uh, take advantage of that, pick it off. Um, it's a huge part of this. Um, that's going to be what's going to spark Buffalo for them in this game. Because, um, yeah, they, you know, Josh Allen should have success. I feel like they'll, they'll have more success than they did, you know, um, back in their first meeting. But, Again, I just it, it's tough to pick against Patrick Holmes at home because he really does not lose there. But Buffalo has been 12 and one since that game, and they've averaged 34 points offensively. So they've been a different team um, since that game. But I, I just I just don't see Buffalo being able to go into Kansas City knocking off Patrick Holmes. Yeah, I think I think the big difference in this game is going to be I think Buffalo, the Chiefs are going to be able to. And they're not going to run the ball great, but I think they'll be able to run the ball a little bit better than Buffalo. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire might be back. Uh, we saw Williams again the game on Sunday against the uh, Browns get some get some key first downs on the ground. So I think they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit better. I think that that's going to be the key to this game. But I wouldn't be surprised if Bills win. Their offense has been outstanding this season, and I could see them. You know winning a shootout against Kansas City. But I just think the run game is going to be the difference because I think I don't think either of the teams are going to rush for 100 yards at all, but I think Kansas City will rush for a little bit more yards that will ultimately end up being the difference. Yeah, because um, we saw Buffalo. They ran it like once through like the first three quarters. They yeah, didn't they, they, they didn't even run it at all against Baltimore. Yeah. No. In a win, too. In that win, um, they kind of knew it. They kind of knew, hey, you know, we're not going to be running the ball. They, they threw it out. They, they threw the – through the running game out of the playbook. But, um, yeah, so they're probably not going to have a ton of success. But, yeah, I think KC's going to be a little bit better than them. Um, I don't – I think Clyde, they already ruled him out, so they don't get Clyde Edwards' player oh, wow. back. To me. Yeah, I, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, but, so, yeah, I think Chiefs will – Yeah, I mean, I think – yeah, obviously. You there, Justin? Yeah, bad, yeah. Um, I don't think they'll dominate time possession like they did the first game. Tough to beat Mahomes in a shootout, and I just think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you made a good point. They they won't dominate time of possession, but yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a shootout between these two teams. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens between these two teams, and it's just these should, should just be two very exciting games. We got two, four of the top quarterbacks in the league going head to head. We should see a lot of points in both games. We should see both games being really competitive, and that's really all you can ask for when you get to Championship Sunday.
Yeah, definitely. You know, you just hope for two very competitive games, you know, going down the wire. And, yeah, you know, um, really good offenses, really really good quarterback. So, yeah, uh, definitely looking forward to to Sunday. So now we're going to get to some NFL news. And, uh, and first, we'll talk about Phillip Rivers retiring. I mean, he had a really, really good career with the Chargers. I mean, the guy was in eight Pro Bowls. Uh, the team went to the playoffs, uh, I think, five or six times. Uh, he was one of the best quarterbacks of our era. I mean, if, I think I think he's even though he didn't he didn't get to a Super Bowl. I feel like he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks never to win a Super Bowl. Extremely durable. I don't he he never missed a game in his entire career. So he was. I mean, yeah, he missed games before he became. But once he became a starter, he never missed a game from there on out. So just extremely durable. Uh, extremely dependable. Uh, you can debate if he was better than Big Ben or Eli. Personally, because of the Super Bowls, I would take Big Ben and Eli over Rivers, but it's close. You could make a case because of the numbers that Phillip Rivers was a better quarterback than Big Ben or Eli Manning. But I wouldn't personally do it, but you can make an argument for it. But just a really good career for Phillip Rivers, and hopefully for him, it ends up in Canton. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. He's fifth all-time in passing yards and touchdowns. Um, yeah, he's got – you know, he didn't get a Super Bowl, but – yeah, you know, after I think it was, you know, when he took over the same, the um, starting quarterback job in 06, he had never missed a start until, you know, yeah, the, the rest of his career, which is really impressive. Um, you know, he had a lot of success with this, with the Chargers and that organization, you know, um, he set eight Pro Bowls. Um, yeah, I definitely think he should go down to Canton. And, you know, and he, you know, we didn't get to a Super Bowl, but, you know, he put in a tough air with, you know, AFC quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Big Ben. You know, you can even put Joe Flacco on there because, you know, getting there with the Ravens. So he played with a tough group of guys you go up against. And it's unfortunate that he never got the chance to play for a Super Bowl. But still, the numbers don't lie. And I think Phil Burns does deserve to uh, have a spot again. Well, I mean, and obviously – forget that the what he did in the 2007 uh, AFC championship game playing that game on a torn ACL you never know if, if he's healthy in that game week that could have been the Giants and the Chargers it could have been Eli and Rivers playing in that Super Bowl man you, you never know if Eli if, it would be interesting to see who would have gotten that ring <laughs> Eli or Rivers so you never know what could have happened if he was healthy in that AFC championship game but I think there was a window there where Rivers had a, where the Chargers had a really good roster in the late 2000s, like 2006. They had a great roster. They had one of the best running backs in the league, in, uh, in uh, uh, Ladanian Tomlinson. They had uh, Antonio Gates, Vincent Jackson. I think was in his rookie year. He had Shaw Merriman, and Shaw Merriman before he got hurt was a was a, one of the best pass rushers in the game. So the Chargers had a window there where they could have won. You know, they could have won a Super Bowl, especially 2006. And then I, I go back all the way. I go back then to 2009 when they when they were 13 and three and they lost to Rex Ryan and the Jets in the divisional round. So those were two losses. I feel like and the the 07 game doesn't hurt his legacy at all. That really helps his legacy. Yeah. But the, the losses in 06 and to, to the Patriots. And 09, the Jets are, are losses that will hurt Rivers' legacy. Where if he wins one of those one of those games and they go on and win a Super Bowl, he's clearly a Hall of Famer. Now he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer, but he could be kept out because of not winning, because of not getting to a Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, um, I do remember that 09 game. Not not a ton of the 07, a little bit of it, you know. But you know, playing on a 20 ACL, that, that is impossible. I can't imagine doing anything like that. Um, so, yeah, you know, they, they had their shot. You know, they, that offense was so good when they had LT and Gates and Jackson. 
Um, that, that was always an explosive offense. And yeah, we're kind of, you know, in, in all sports, it, you know, the voters kind of want to see, you know, championships and, and playoff success. Yeah, so, you know, he only played in one AFC championship game too. So, you know, didn't really get even the AFC championship game a bunch in his, in his time. But, you know, I, I still think the voters have put him in just, you know, with, with, you know, you could, you know, with all the regular season number, he's been able to put up, you know, being fifth all time passing and passing touchdowns and passing yards. I think it's, it's so impressive. And I still think that he does deserve a shot. And I'd vote for him if I had a vote. Yeah, I, I think he does. I think, I, I think he's a Hall of Famer as well. But we got to move on to another uh, AFC South quarterback, and that's Deshaun Watson. And this is, we're going to be talking about this for probably the next, you know, three, three to four months. He, 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 and now it's even getting worse there that he's not even responding to the Texans' phone calls. It's getting obvious that he that he wants out of there. Uh, even though the Texans gave Eric Bieniemy an interview, it's just not getting better for for Watson and the Texans. And it's starting. I'm starting to lead towards the fact that he's not going to be a Houston Texan for much for much longer. Yeah, I'm with you. There's just there's no way the way things have been going right now. Um, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate to the Houston fan base because you just lost James Harden. You're going through with the Astros right now, kind of. And the Astros just lost two outfielders too with Brantley yeah. and Springer. Yeah, so they're kind of going back to resetting things here. So it's been a tough few months here for Houston sport fans. Um, and what? Yeah, you know, um, it's it's unfortunate. You know that it, it's really come down to this point for Deshaun Watson because he's such a tremendous player. You know, I think, you know, when, when or if they trade him, I don't even think, you know, it doesn't matter what they get. I don't think they're going to get the value back that you're giving away in, in Deshaun Watson. I think he's, you know, that good and could, you know, help a uh, – obviously going to help out any franchise. But, yeah, it, it's a sad situation that, you know, um, that's unfolded down there. Yeah, it all started when Bill O'Brien traded. They were up. They all started when they were up twenty-four nothing against Kansas City last year in the divisional round. Uh, they lose. Bill O'Brien trades uh, DeAndre Hopkins. O'Brien gets fired, and it's all completely falling apart in Houston. I mean, I mean, right now, I mean, obviously, if Watson leaves, they will be the worst team in football, and it's just completely falling apart in Houston. But we got to get to other NFL news, and Urban Meyer is in the NFL now. He's with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars hired Urban Meyer uh, last week as their head coach. And for him, yes, he's going to have to deal with losing this year. Even if, even though they're going to have Trevor Lawrence, they're probably going to lose at least 10 games because their defense is absolutely terrible. Does have some pieces on offense, though. DJ Shark, uh, James Robinson, and, uh, and, and they're going to have Trevor Lawrence. So they got some pieces on offense. They'll be, they'll be fun and exciting to watch, but it'll, it still will be a rough year for Jacksonville. But he might, but Urban might be the one college coach because he has the quarterback that, I could see succeeding. You see Pete Carroll because he had Russell. Will a big reason why he succeeded is because he had Russell Wilson. He had two failed stops in New England and with the Jets. But the big reason why he succeeded with the Seahawks is because he had Russell Russell Wilson. I think this could be the same for Urban Meyer. Yeah, um, talking about the loss, you know, he had nine career losses at Ohio State, so he he may he probably gonna have more losses next year um, and his entire tenure at Ohio State. But yeah, you know, it, it's gonna be a long. Could be you know a long year for Jacksonville, but I definitely can see him succeeding. You know, um, he's a guy that's just he's been a born winner. And um, actually, Jace, you know, brought up the they, they do have two first round picks um, from the Ramsey deal. I think they have eleven um, draft picks as well, ten or eleven. So they have the capital 
to really do a lot. And they have a lot of um, cast space too, but he's, he's a guy that's won everywhere he's been. And I, I think he will have success in the NFL. Again, I think it's kind of something, you know, I, I thought he was going to take the Texas job, but um, if it, you know, but um, I think he just seems like he's got nothing left to prove. He feels like in college and he's going to a, a fan base in Jacksonville that has never really had any success. They were back in the AFC championship game a few years ago, but there's nothing left from that team. So it's, I think it really fires up a fan base here that really has had nothing for them. And, you know, there's no other pro team in that city. And, you know, I I think this is huge for the fan base and really gets people in Jacksonville excited about the Jaguar team. And I, and and I, and I agree with that. And I think a big reason I think he's going to be successful too, is he lives down there too. So it's not like he's, he's moving away or anything. He lives down there. So a lot of people say he's not going to be successful. I think he could be because of the quarterback. And, and I think, that when you have, I think the biggest reason, obviously, is the quarterback. And when you have, obviously, when you have that franchise quarterback, you, you you have a very good chance of being successful in this league. And I think that I think Urban's going to be successful. I don't know if he's going to build the Jaguars into a championship team, but I think he's going to be successful in this league. Yeah, I think he will. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be able to. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's a he's he's won at Bowling Green. He's won at Utah. He's won at Florida. He's won at Ohio State. He's won everywhere. Um, and Trevor Lawrence, yeah, he, bringing him in, he he's you know. Again, we'll we'll see it, but yeah, he looks like he's going to be the the um, next big quarterback. And then you look at kind of the division, Houston right now. Who knows? You know, Indy. Who knows where they're going with quarterback now? And you know, Tennessee right now with Tannehill Henry look good. But so it's kind of an open division right now for you know a- after um, Tennessee, it's 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 open for second place and beyond. Absolutely, absolutely. But we got to get to the Jets and them hiring Robert Sala. And I, and I, I yeah, you never know how a head coaching hire is going to be. But I like this hire because I feel like he's not he's not like Adam Gase, who's this offensive, who's supposed to, supposed to be this offensive genius and doesn't have any connection to the team. I feel like Robert Sala is going to have connection to the team. He's going to be a leader of men. I think he's going to be respected in the locker room. And if the Jets can get this QB situation, you know, figured out, I think I think this team this team could be successful with. So we're waiting, waiting on Justin, and uh, yeah, I, are you back? Yeah, sorry, I don't know what, um, what happened there. Yeah, I'm excited. I, you know, I like this Jets hire right now. Um, he, he, yeah, I know you said it. He's pretty much the complete opposite here of Adam Gase. Um, he's very, we've seen on the sidelines, very energetic. Um, and bring, brings a lot of passion. Um, I, you know, I, and then I, I like his OC hire with Mike Lafleur. That's crucial. That is very crucial. That OC hire because say they keep Sam Darnold. This is a this is a really good system for quarterbacks. Kyle Shanahan. That system does really well with quarterbacks. Yeah, you're exactly. You're right. So I think it could be a huge thing if they want to um, huge deal if they want if they keep Sam Darnold. That's their decision. But yeah, I, I think you know a guy coming in here with the Jets organization, um, and, and he's a guy too that you know we've seen with the Niners. He said success and then even this year with all the injuries that Niners defense was still pretty good with everybody they lost he still got that defense to buy in and play well so for a Jets team too that doesn't have a uh, a lot of overall talent he could really get them to play hard and maybe maybe be able to steal some wins next year so yeah I, I think it's a really good hire by the Jets yeah, so they're obviously their best hire since Rex Ryan. I think, yeah, everyone wants to get on Rex Ryan because he talked a lot, but he was a pretty good coach. Uh, we got we got we got a comment from Jace. My problem with all these hires is you get the first pick of new hires and no one goes for Bienemy. Here's my big reason about Bienemy not getting a job. 
and and obviously has nothing to nothing nothing at all to do with race in my opinion. I think the big reason why Bieniemy is getting passed over for this job is he's not the play caller of the Chiefs. Andy Reid is, and Andy Reid's one of the best you saw on Sunday. He's one of the mo- the best and most creative play callers in the game, and obviously he's got the best quarterback in the game. So I just think with what's around Bieniemy, I think that's the biggest reason why he's not getting those jobs. And then people will say, oh, what about Doug Peterson and what about Mickey? Here's here's your I'll answer your question there. Uh, the, re- the when when Doug Peterson was the OC of the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes was not the quarterback of the Chiefs. Alex Smith was same thing with Matt Nagy. So that's why Matt Nagy and uh, that's why Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson got coaching jobs. Uh, if they were coaching Patrick Mahomes, they probably have coaching jobs either. I think the biggest reason why the enemy has not gotten a coaching job is because of the fact that he had Andy Reid calling the plays, and he's got Patrick. He's got Patrick Mahomes. I think that's why teams are passing on the enemy. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think it's important, you know, I think it's for somebody that wants a head coaching job. I think it's not crucial, but I think it's a big part that you got to kind of be the opposite of what the head coach is um, tailored to. Like um, like um, Robert Sale, he just going to the Jets. He was a defensive guy. Why Shane is the offensive guy. Um, I think that's a big part two is being the opposite of, of kind of the head coach's expertise. So, yeah, I, I think with Biennemi not being the play caller, I, I think hurts him, even though, you know, he's in that room and it kind of knows, knows what Reed does and all that. I, I still think that does have, it definitely does have an effect on why he's still has not found a head coaching gig. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll go through uh, the other three guys who were hired Falcons, Arthur Smith, Interesting hire here, but I felt like they would go for more of a defensive guy. I don't think Atlanta's issue was their offense. So I felt like they would, even though Dan Quinn was a defensive coach too, I thought, I thought, you know, Atlanta would go for more of an, a, 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 a defensive coach, but this could mean that Matt Ryan could be getting traded and they could be, you know, drafting Justin Fields if he's available. So I, or Zach Wilson. So I feel like this hire could be for that. So, but we'll see what happens there with, with, with him. Uh, with the Chargers, they got Brandon Staley. A lot of people thought they were getting, uh, they were going to get, uh, uh, they were going to get uh, Brian Dable there. A lot of people thought Dable was the favorite for that job, but the Bills moved on. Rams lost Staley, the defensive coordinator of the Rams. Uh, he gets he gets the job there. My only issue with him is he's really had one year of experience as a defensive coordinator in his entire career. He took over for Wade Phillips this year with the Rams, so I'm a, a little bit of my issue there. But it's another another hire. We really don't know how that's going to end up working. And then, and today, the Lions hired Dan Campbell as their head coach. Really, the one thing we remember about Dan Campbell is he took over for Joe Fieldman at the middle of the 2015 season for the Dolphins. I feel like he's a leader of men. I feel like he's something the Lions need. But again, you really don't know what's going to happen there. Justin, your take on the hires? Yeah, um, Arthur Smith one. I'm with you. It's interesting. You know, he, you know, you talk about maybe moving on from Matt Ryan. He's kind of really helped. Um, you know, this year especially, kind of with building kind of Tannehill, re, kind of rebuilding him. Um, I know it's a, he's got a strong running game. Um, he does very well in that. And that's something the Falcons haven't had either. So and maybe kind of help develop a running game for this Atlanta Falcon team. Um, Brian Stable at, at the um, going to the Chargers, that, that definitely was an interesting one because he's been a linebacker coach the last few years. Um, got the promotion to be the D coordinator this year. I thought they would go offensive side of the ball with um, Justin Herbert kind of being there. I did think it was going to be Brian Dable at the end, but ends up bringing uh, Brendan Silly. You know, we'll see how it ends up there. Hopefully, kind of um, 
So that, that was another way to win. Dan Campbell, I do like this one for the Lions. I think he's the opposite of um, Patricia. Patricia, yeah. And, I, you know, he's more of an old school guy, but he's not too old school where, you know, players aren't going to um, not going to like it. But he's another guy that sounds like he's a leader, man. He's, he's played the game. Um, he's been Sean Payton's right-hand man forever. You know, he even played for Sean Payton. So, yeah, with the Giants I, and the Cowboys, yeah. yeah and the Saints, so, yeah. Yeah, so I, I feel like this could be a good hire for the Lions um, for another organization that has just had absolutely no winning. Um, again, maybe this is the guy to kind of break them out of it. I, I think it could be a good hire for the Lions. And lastly, uh, right now with the Eagles, it's not a shock that the Eagles and Texans are the two teams without head coaches, but the Eagles right now, the favorite looks like it's going to be Josh McDaniels. And it would be nice to see him get a second shot. I mean, I think I think that uh, with Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz, I, I feel like now with, with uh, Rivers retiring, I feel like there's a big possibility Wentz gets traded to uh, Indianapolis. So if he has Jalen Hurts or, Carson, or even Carson Wentz, I think he can be able to fix some of those guys and then say they take a Jamar Chase or a Devontae Smith in the draft. I see those offense can be really good with McDaniels. And, it, and it's nice to see McDaniels get a second shot because it, unlike Adam Gase, who, you know, got fired from Miami and took over with the Jets, he really didn't learn from anything he did wrong. I think McDaniels has really learned from stuff he did wrong. And I hate to say it, but because I don't like the Eagles, but I think he could be successful with the Eagles. I think he can. I, I think it would be a good hire by the Eagles. Um, again, I always thought he was going to be the guy to fill in for Bill after, you know, whenever Bill decides to retire. But – I know. I think he could fit out in Philly. Yeah, whoever they have as quarterback. Um, again, I, I know you could kind of say the offense New England had wasn't great this year. Oh, he didn't. You know, it can do. But you know, they had absolutely nothing there this year. Um, they had success the last year with Brady a bit. But yeah, he's been a guy um, that has had. You know, that has had success, and I, I definitely do feel like he should get another shot. Um, again, I think I, I agree. If they get another wide receiver who can stay on the field for him, I think he definitely could have um, success offensively in, in you know, his second go around. It's going to be interesting to see what the Eagles and Texans do with their coaching hires and to see what happens on Championship Sunday. But there was a huge trade in the NBA, and we got to shift over to that. But before that, we got a promo from, from the Posting Up podcast. Make sure you check out the Posting Up podcast every Tuesday at 5 p.m. and every Saturday at 1, where Lucas, Sean, King Jay, and Big Jace break down all the latest news in the NBA today. Check it out every Tuesday and Saturday on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. CMG Sports Production. The posting of podcast every Tuesday at 4.30 and every Saturday at 1, starring uh, Lucas, Lucas, uh, uh, Isaiah Groves, Jace Garcia, and Sean Scanlon. So check that out. I made an appearance on it last week. Uh, me and Chase went at it a little bit about the Raptors and Kawhi Leonard. So definitely check out that, uh, that, that podcast uh, on Tuesday and Saturday. But 
there was a major trade in the NBA, and we all knew that it was inevitable that uh, James Harden was going to be traded, and the Rockets did it. They, they traded him to the Brooklyn Nets in a four-way deal with the Pacers and Cavs. The, uh, the, the Rockets ended, ended up getting uh, Victor Oladipo from the Pacers. Uh, the the, uh, let me think. the uh, Pacers ended up getting Karis LeVert from the Nets, and the, uh, and the Cavs also got Jared Allen from the Nets. So huge trade. I mean, when Kyrie comes back, it makes this team clearly the best team in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion, arguably the best team in the NBA, even though their bench and their defense aren't great. I definitely could see them being the Lakers. This is a this, this is maybe the best connection of offensive talent we've ever seen with Kyrie, who should be back tonight when they play the Cavs, uh, James Harden, and uh, Kevin Durant. So th- this team should be, you know, outstanding. And I think this is a champion. This is one of the top two teams in the league with them and the Lakers. But, Justin, I got some questions for what you think about it. Uh, the first question is, Nets the best Eastern Conference? Um, I, I think on paper they are. I think, you know – Adding James Harden with Kyrie and um, Durant, I, I think on paper they are. Um, again, we'll find out tonight how the all three of them play. But again, I think they still they have a little bit more talent than the Bucks. I think they you know have a little bit you know again I don't trust the Sixers, so I, I you know put them ahead of the Sixers. Um, I think they're better than the Celtics. So yeah, I, I think on paper I, I definitely have them. Um, Number one, I do worry, yeah, about their defense because James Harden's not adding to any of that defense. And rebound's gotten a little bit better the last few games, but it, that could still be a weak spot on this team. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So now, now, think, now that you think they're the best team in the East, are they the best team in the league? <sighs> I Again, I think on paper they are. Um you know, I, I think it's close with them and the Lakers for me. I, I'll say yes uh, until I see otherwise, until I start seeing them play. But yeah, I, I think they still have. A, I think they have a little bit more talent in the, than the Lakers. Again, we just haven't seen three guys like this. You know, three top ten players all being on one team. I don't think we've. Uh, 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 Kyrie's not a top ten player. Okay. There's no way Kyrie's top ten. I would say maybe three top fifteen oh, yeah. players. Uh, if he plays, I think I could maybe put him up. I could put him up there. But if he play, I I hate to say it, but if he's on the floor and playing, he could be a top ten player. That's when he's on the floor when he wants to be. But you know, um, if he wants to be on the floor, I think he could be a top ten player. I, I think he's. I try to slot him in at ten now, but. Anyways, you know, we're top 15. I, I, you know, we, we haven't seen this before. Um, actually, because I saw a stat. It was like an analytical stat. But Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and uh, James Harden all have the ball in their hands 30% of the time during a game. So that's 90% right there. So um, I don't know if there's going to be enough basketball to go around for those guys. But for right now, I, I think they are the best team on paper until, you know, I, I see otherwise, which, again, I, I don't know if this is going to work out or not. Now, speaking of Kyrie, this leads me to my last question. Are they better off without Kyrie? The way I've been seeing him and like, Harden and Durant playing, you know, the last few games, I, I think they would be, you know. Um, I, again, I just don't – what's he going to do when he's a third wheel on this team tonight? I just – I don't see him being able to do – 
take that role. You know, he, you know, he came to Brooklyn to be the guy with Durant. And I don't think he wants to be the third man, you know, the third option on the team. So me, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's going to like it, but, and I don't think, and again, I think they would be better off without him. But again, I don't blame the Rockets for not wanting him because I, I don't think he would even report to Houston. So it doesn't shock me um, that Houston want him, but I, I think they would be better off without him. And now looking at some of the other teams, how they benefit from this trade, you look at the Rockets now with Oladipo. He had a pretty good first game with the Rockets. You got Oladipo and John Wall in that backcourt. I feel like, I do feel like, though, this is a team that barely will make the playoffs and be kind of a seven seed in the playoffs and get knocked out in the first round now, if they, if they make yeah. it. Yeah. I, I don't see these guys going far. Um, you got a nice piece in Al Depot with all the first round picks you have. Um, but yeah, you know, again, in the Western conference, yeah, they're, they're nothing special with that backcourt, you know, um, a good players, but yeah, they're not going to win along and uh, Al Depot are good, but yeah, they're not elevating them at, yeah, they're not elevating them. that you know, I'd be shocked to get out of the first round. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. But and we got a comment from Jace. This leads me to my next to, to our next uh, topic. Uh, it really, it really, it really is just not good that the uh, Pacers uh, that went to Levert and the Pacers, and it does. I mean, the, yeah. this was the guy they they, tri- they shipped all the depot out of there. Now they're really not going to have Levert for a little while. It's going to be a struggle for the Pacers, and and at this point, I have to take them out of my top four teams in the in the uh, in the Eastern Conference. I don't I don't think they're there with I don't, they're not the big three with the uh, with the Celtics, the uh, the the Celtics, the Nets, and the Bucks. And really, after that, it's pretty much anyone's Eastern Conference because I'm I'm not a Sixer guy at all. Uh, the Raptors have, have been playing better, but they've struggled this year. Uh, the the Pacers now with losing Oladipo, and you're not even getting Levert. That's going to hurt them. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I get. You know, because I'll, I'll say this: at the time of the trade, I I didn't like how the Nets shipped um, Levert and Allen. You know, just because those are two guys who really developed. But it, it I get it turned into a blessing disguise for Levert. So I, I kind of take back what I said because it possibly could have saved his life. So um, yeah, it sucks for the Pacers that they're not going to be without him losing your star Victor Aladipo. Um, yeah, hopefully you know Levert gets healthy and can back on the floor. But yeah, you know the Pacers. Um, I think in the East could still sneak into a seven or eight seed, but yeah, I, I, you know, after the, you know, but obviously I think they get bounced in the first round if they can make it in. Yeah. And lastly, uh, the Cavs got the worst of this return, getting a Jared Allen. He might be able to be the center of the future. See what happens with Andre Drummond and free agency. Do they deal with the trade deadline? So we'll see what happens there, but they definitely got the worst of this deal by far, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I like Jared Allen. He's a nice piece to have a center, but yet they already have so many front court guys. Like, why do you add another one? I guess, you, you know, you trade Drummond away. You don't necessarily need, you know, another front court guy back. But yeah, it was a, you know, strange, strange one. Um, You know, I like him, but yeah, he's not making the Cavaliers, you know, much better than what they had beforehand. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, the Cavaliers are still a team that's that's not even close to a playoff team. And 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 he does not make them close to a playoff team. Then he just definitely doesn't make them close to a playoff team. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, cause yeah, he um he's a nice player. I like the way the Nets developed him, but um, yeah, I just you know, the Nets that I mean the uh, Cavs still have a long way to go in their rebuilding right now. So um yeah, he doesn't make them much better than they were beforehand. 
Absolutely. And, 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 and the thing is, is the Nets, you know, the, the two games with Durant and, and, uh, and Harden playing together, they were been, been really good. I mean, they beat the magic on Saturday night. They beat the, uh, they beat the bucks on Monday night. So I think this pairing is going to be really good. It's going to be interesting to see with, with what happens with Kyrie going forward. But we got to go to to another New York team who made some big moves last week, and that's the Yankees. Our Yankees made some really big moves. They signed they, then when the big one was signing DJ LeMay, signing DJ LeMay to that you know six year ninety million dollar deal, only fifteen million a year for DJ LeMay, who's probably been arguably the most productive player for this team over the last two years. Arguably should have been the MVP last year. So I'm really excited for DJ LeMay to be a Yankee again. And, and 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 I think this lineup's going to be outstanding this year. If if, if the, the big question is if Judge if Stan can stay healthy, but look at this lineup with with DJ Lemayu, with with uh, Aaron Judge, with uh, John Carlos Stanton, with uh, with Glaber Torres, with uh, with Aaron Hicks, with uh, with Luke Voigt, I th- and, and and Joe's guy Gary Sanchez. So I think it's, it's probably going to be the top lineup in baseball, and I think this move. Um, makes makes the Yankees the best team in, in the AL. Yeah, it, uh, again, DJ Lane, he was a must. Um, he's definitely been their best hitter the last few years. Um, again, I think with the six-year deal, too, he's a guy, he's obviously not a judge or a stand who's bulk, bulk, and, and they're power hitters. He's a guy that I feel like, too, when he gets to 37, 38, because of his swing, because, you know, his body – I think he's a guy that won't wear down like some of these, some of these bigger, you know, um, power hitters do. So I think it does benefit. I'm okay with him being at, um, being here 37, 38 years old. Um, it, it was a must. And yeah, $15 million for arguably the MVP is in baseball nowadays, but how much guys are getting it's, it's a steal. And again, um, definitely he's been such a huge addition and his swing definitely helps, uh, or, Definitely, his swing definitely um, helped us playing in Yankee Stadium 81 times, 81 games a year. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, love that they're bringing him back in because he's a huge piece of this lineup. I was, you know, I knew the Yankees probably weren't going to lose him, but um, such a such a terrific hitter. Remember back in the days we were doing the roll call with Joe, <laughs> Joe would always say, the Yankees don't have a leadoff hitter. The Yankees don't have a leadoff hitter. They'd have Brett Gardner, but he couldn't. He was he was not a good leadoff hitter. The Yankees didn't have a leadoff hitter. This guy came in the last two years, and he has been that leadoff hitter. He has filled that void. And obviously, we'll never forget that home run he hit against the Astros to tie that game before Altuve won the game in the ALCS. So, just filled that void as a leadoff hitter. And and I, and, and again, I am so happy to have him back on this team. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, uh, he's our leadoff in the next five, six years. He keeps uh, swinging the ball, swinging the bat like this. So, yeah, I, I'm so happy. You know, last beginning of last week when it kind of sounded he was getting aggravated, I, I kind of got a little worried. Like, yeah, could this, you know, maybe be the end? I, it, you know, figured they were going to sign him eventually. But uh, yeah, I, I love having him back, and you know, yeah, hopefully they can make another run this year. Finally, get the World Series. That's the goal of these moves. The, I feel like this is the year the Yankees have to get to the World Series. And I think another another big – the other thing that's going to help them get there is is, is them signing Corey Kluber to a one-year, 
$11 million deal. And I think, yes, the guy's been hurt the last two years, but I think I think Kluber's going to help them. I really do think Kluber's Kluber's going to help this rotation. He won't be one of the he won't be the number one like Cole is the number two like we hope Severino's going to be. But I think he's going to help the rotation with with Montgomery with Debbie Garcia. I feel like he'll be a, a he could be a solid number three starter because it looks like Tanaka and Paxton and Happ are all going to be gone. So I think he could be like a solid number three. And if, say we get what we got out of him uh, if, if, uh, from 2018. If we get the 2018 Kluber. You could argue this team, this rotation is going to be outstanding. Yeah, yeah, and then you got Herman coming back too. So I don't want him back, but yeah, he's back. I don't either. I know I don't either, but he'll be back in the fold most likely. But um, yeah, you know, again, he's a guy that wants to prove that he can be the guy he was a few years ago. Um, yeah, he's been great in the playoffs. He was great. He's been great in the regular season. If he can stay healthy, yeah, I, I love this. I love this signing. Um, you know, great. Um, yeah, he's, again, he's he's shut down the Yankees at times, and, and uh, he's definitely a guy that could help kind of middle to end rotation, um, or you know, kind of you know, um, I, I think if he can make like 20, you know, 20, 25 starts, I, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Again, I, I don't, I'm not expecting to make all 33 or whatever, 32. Um, but look, if he can stay healthy for majority of the season and then just be fresh coming in October, um, I, I'd be really happy with that because I feel like, you know, we've seen it. They need, they need another guy in the postseason. He's a guy that's been through it, and he's been a guy that's has pitched really well in the postseason. So I, I'm fine with the signing, and I'm, I'm excited that Flory Cooper. I, you know, when he's healthy, I love watching him on the mound. Absolutely. This team, this team, I feel like with what's with I know the Blue Jays, I know we'll get to the Blue Jays, but with the Rays, you know, you know, not signing trading Snell and, and not signing Morton. Uh, the Astros, you look at them, they're they're falling apart. They're not going to be this, they won't be the same team going forward. So you look at the American League, it's not as good as the National League. This year is the Yankees American League to lose. They have to win the AL this year. Or I think it's reasonable if they're not in the World Series, this is it for Aaron Boone. Oh yeah, I I agree with you. I, I think it would be because it's a it's a contract year two and four. So I, I definitely agree. It's it's World Series or bust for this team. Um, go get to know, the World Series. I feel like we'll I don't know about winning it because of the, because the Dodgers and Braves, if they lose to them, yeah. they still had a really good year. Get but I think getting the World Series is a must for this team this season for it to be a successful season. Even an ALCS loss, I feel like the season's a failure. And that's tough. And I've I've never said that in a while about the Yankees, but I think it's, it's being in the world series or the season's a failure. No, I, I'm with you. You know, it's, it's been, it's going to be 12 years and yeah, you know, the American league, the white Sox look good on, but again, they have so many young guys, you know, the blue days are starting to scare me a bit here, but yeah, the Rays are taking a step back. The Astros, I, I can't trust the twins in the postseason. Um, the A's, you can't really trust either. So, yeah, it's the Yankees here. They they have to get back to the World Series this year. Right? Yeah. I, again, I, I, I'll i say it. You know, if they don't, I, I, you know, I think Boone should be, you know, replaced. I think Boone, you know, should not be resigned as, as a New York Yankee manager. Absolutely. They said in 2017, I know it was Girardi's contract, Girardi's contract here, but they said in 2017, getting to game seven of the World's not good enough. Now it's now it's been four it's been four years there in Boone. If he doesn't get to the World Series after four years, see you later. See you later. Goodbye. Goodbye. You're done. 
but we get to another AL East team, probably the biggest threat to the Yankees in the AL East made uh, in, in you know 10 hours, and that was the Blue Jays. And the big one was George Springer uh, with a six-year, uh, $150 million contract, making $25 million a year. They didn't get him as a, as a bargain like the Yankees did with DJ LeMayu. So uh, I do think this Blue Jay lineup is going to be really good this year, though. You look at look at now with Springer, with uh, with BGL, uh, Bachet, Guerrero, uh, Guriel, and Hernandez. This is going to be one of the top lineups in baseball. I think the, the issue with the Blue Jays and why I don't think they're I still don't think they're better than the Yankees is because of their starting pitching. They're not as deep in the rotation and their bullpen, but I do think the Blue, Blue Jays, no matter no matter if they have ten teams or sixteen teams, make the playoffs. I definitely think the Blue Jays are going to finish in second, and I definitely think they have a very good chance of being a, a wild card team. It's, a very, it's going to be very, it's going to be high, very likely that the Yankees and Blue Jays are going to meet in the first round. Yeah, you know, I, you know, um, yeah, this Blue Jays team the last, you know, ten hours, yeah, have, have really creeped up, you know, with George Springer, the Brantley. It sounds like they haven't signed a deal yet, but it sounds like it's pretty likely he's going to sign at some point. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like two great outfield acquisitions, you know, this team's going to score runs, but can they get the pitching to, um, help out? You know, I know it helps that they kind of play in a pitcher's ballpark up in Toronto. I still think they'll be able to score a lot of runs with that lineup, as you mentioned, Grail, Biggio, um, Hernandez, um, you know, yeah, there's so many, um, solid pieces I definitely think this is a wild card team. Again, you know, if they can kind of, if some of these young pitchers could step up, I, I think they, you know, could win 90 plus games if if, if the pitching is there. Because um, I don't think they have, I don't think after this they'll have the money for Bauer. But it, it's nice to see because the Toronto, because, you know, I know the owner has a lot of money. They don't usually spend like this. So it's nice to see the owner actually going out and spending money, you know, for, um, for this, or you know, for this team now. You know, trying to get get back um, from a reset last few years. So, yeah, it's a really exciting roster with all the young talent they have. And now you add a Springer and probably Michael Brantley. So, um, it's definitely going to be a top of the line lineup. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, it's going to be a top of the line lineup and a team that could compete for a championship. I think they need some depth in the rotation and some bullpen help. But if if they can get that at the trade deadline. They'll be right there with the Yankees. Maybe not only one of the top two teams in the AL East, maybe one of the top two teams in the American League. Yeah, I could see it. You know, as we talked about, you know, I think the Red Sox are going to be better. You know, race we said. And, you but know, the Red Sox are rebuilding them. They're still yeah, rebuilding. They're rebuilding. I think. They'll, yeah, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year, but I think they'll be a bit better this year. You know, you never know with the Twins um, in the postseason. So yeah, I, I could see Toronto being a huge threat in this American League. You know, and especially, you know, in a year or two, you know, guys get a few years old, you know, the Greros, Biggios, um, um, Bouchette. It's, you know, another, you know, I, I definitely see the Blue Jay team having kind of what they had, you know, with Batista in that group where they're a playoff team, you know, um, for the next few years. But can they can they take that next step that which they never with that group never did. Could they take that next step and get to the um, ALCS? Cause I believe they never got there. Those guys. They got there two years in a row. They never got to the series. They got to the ALCS two years in a row. Lost to the Royals and they lost to the Indians. They got there two years. It's 15 and 16. They got to the ALCS. Just never got to the world series though. Okay. So yeah. Um, you know, and they haven't been there since the nineties. So. Maybe 93. The 93 Joe Carter. Last time they were in the world series off Mitch Williams. Game winning Homer. 
last time they were there. It's been a while. And I know that's the fan base is, a, you know, there was huge excitement with those three, you know, Biggio, Bichette, and, and Guerrero coming in. So, you know, there, there's a lot of excitement, I feel like, for this Blue Jays team right now. Absolutely, absolutely. But we got to wrap up baseball talk, talking about an unfortunate story in baseball as the new hired Mets GM, Jared Porter, was fired uh, yesterday because because of sending unsolicited text messages to a female journalist. And I'm happy Steve Cohen said we have zero tolerance to this. They didn't let this situation linger. They got rid of Jared Porter immediately, and they should. Even though what happened back in 2016, you cannot be sending pictures of your junk to a reporter. That's just inappropriate. It's disgusting. And you shouldn't have a job in sports doing something like that. So I'm happy Steve Cohen and Sandy Alderson made the right move to get this guy out of here, even though they're going to have to get another GM. They made the right move to change the culture of this Mets organization to get Jared Porter uh, to get Jared Porter out of there. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's good. You know, it's 2021. Um, it's, these issues should not be happening. You know, again, 62 text messages. Um, again, get the memo. He definitely does not deserve to have a job. That's a, you know, good job firing him. You know, pretty much it was like eight hours. You know, again, going to bed, they probably, you know, and we woke up and he was fired. So, yeah, yeah. Um, smart move. Um, and again, just kind of showing this new Mets culture here, um, you know, with, with Cohen. It's, you know, good start. Yeah, definitely the right move. It's just terrible incident. And, not, you know, nobody should be doing that. It's just it's terrible. That's that still goes on. Yeah, awful. Absolutely pathetic and just completely, completely inexcusable. And I'm happy the Mets made the decision that they made. So we're going to wrap up the show talking about uh, some you talking on basketball. But before that, we have a promo from Clovercrest Media. Ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls, prepare your ear holes for the best wrestling podcast in the world. It's time for the hard-hitting wrestling show. Tuesdays at 8. Hard-hitting wrestling show every Tuesday at eight o'clock. Make sure you, it, it was last. It was last. Make sure you check that out every Tuesday. We got Jay, uh, starring Jace Garcia, Obi Muniz, Hector, and Frank. So check that out. Clovercrestmedia.com. So make sure you check that out every Tuesday night. But we got to talk some UConn basketball, and it was not a good game for UConn on Martin Luther King Day, as they had a 14-point lead in the first half against St. John's. They give that lead away. They lose 70-70. And I think the big takeaway is, is I think Boak Knight is going to be a loss. Yes, they can get they could beat the DePauls. They could beat the two worst teams in the conference, the Butler and DePaul without him. But even though St. John's isn't a great team, they, they struggle to beat St. John's without him. And it's gonna and they're lucky the game against Xavier is not being played tonight because I think they would lose to Xavier if they didn't have Boak Knight either. So I hear Boak Knight's gonna be out for about four weeks, and they need to get James Boak Knight soon because the problem is there really is no other consistent score on this team. I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind Tyrese Martin. I don't mind uh, RJ uh, RJ Cole. I don't mind Tyler Polly or Isaiah Whaley. But there's no consistency outside of James Boaknight, and that's really going to hurt them, especially when they're if they're going to, especially on Saturday when they're going to have to play Creighton. Yeah, um, that was a very unfortunate loss. Um, up 14, 21-7, I thought okay, you know, bury these guys, and they weren't able to do it. Um, yeah, it's consistency. They were nine for 22 on layups. 
nine for 22, 15 for um, like 26 at the free throw line. Like, again, it's just, it's just stuff that we've seen the last few years that they just make the constant, constant mistakes, you know, not finishing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, Cole came out, you know, had 12 points in the first five minutes and it looked like, okay, he's in rhythm. Really not, didn't get going after that. Um, but the biggest problem I had in this game was Dan Hurley. Um, oh, really? Really? Oh, yeah. What did he do? Um, what did he do to get you upset? Not playing a um, a Donum Sonogo. The last. Oh, so, 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 so you're so you're a Sonogo guy. What? So you're so you're a Sonogo guy. You like Sonogo? Uh, Justin, we got you there. Mons had nobody to guard him, and Dan Hurley will because they they had a small lineup, so I couldn't put him in there. You let Mike Anderson dictate the game in a game where you were dominating for the first 35 minutes. And you let him come in here and, and, and um, dictate to get how the game was going to go. St. John's had nobody to slow him down. I don't care that they're going small. Put him in there. They had nobody to stop him. You know, that in the end of games, they just – he freezes. Like the rest of the team, they just they freeze in the final few moments. His brother's even worse. I don't know if you've ever seen Arizona State end of the game, but they're even worse. I've seen it a couple times, yeah. Oh, my God. It, 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 you know, so – they, you know, the end of game, so it's got to get better. And again, he's got the team. You know, he doesn't have to. He's not at Rhode Island or Wagner anymore. He's got the pieces. He does not need to, you know, play his hand like you know. He doesn't have to um do what the opponents are. He can dictate the game. You know, um, so that was a disappointing part as well for me in that game. And then it was disappointing too. It was a standalone game on not, on Fox. It's the only college basketball game you kind of get to show the world. Hey, UConn back, you know, you show the rest of the country. And uh, they just could not do it. I know they had, you know, even without Bognite, they should have won that game. You know, St. John's, that that team plays like a New York team. That, that you know, they got some good young pieces. It, that That's a team in the bottom of the pack that I, I'm scared to, I'd be scared to see. Um, I, I like what Mike Anderson is doing a few years. That That's going to be one of the best teams in the Big East, I feel like. Um, but – that was disappointing Monday. Just again, gotta finish. And, and yeah, the, the Xavier game is a blessing in disguise now. Um that you know they had another cancellation, which stinks, but um I think they kind of need to practice and get healthy. The one thing for um Creighton this time around, Marcus Zergowski's out with a hamstring. He didn't play Saturday. I haven't heard if he's playing tonight against Providence or not. It didn't sound like it would be a long-term injury, so he may be out Saturday. He may play. RJ Cole, I felt like, did a really good job with him the first time. They really slowed him down. Um, this Creighton team this year, too, if you remember last year, Steve, they didn't play much defense. This year, they play defense. Oh, really? They're not big, yeah. um, but they play defense. It, it, you know, that was their one kind of weakness last year. So, um, again, Mooney hurt them the first time. All, all five of the starters are double digits. Again, they're they're consistent. They they have guys that can step up when Zergowski was shut down. They have the guys, you know, they have the guys that can pick them up. Um, again, you got to limit this team to one shot because they're just they're so good shooting the basketball that if you give them two three opportunities, they're gonna hit one of them. They got to rebound because I didn't, you know, they were even with the St. John's team that was not great on the boards. You're even, and they were small too, so that did not really impress me. 
Um, but again, it, it's definitely a tough test. I think it, you know, you're through, you know, yeah, you go on the road, you know, three straight, you come back Monday, you lose that game, but now another tough test on national TV. I think they bumped it up to like the big noon. I think it's, I guess noon. Yeah. So it will be two thirty. So you, you got another, um, big game Saturday kind of rebound here, but I, you know, it, it's going to be a tough one. I didn't, they should have won the first one. Um, but look, they got to, um, they got to slow down Creighton. They got it. They, they, they have to convert on free throws. They, and they have to finish their layups because it, Again, it's it's creating team is not you know Creighton's gonna take advantage of that with the way they can score. This is not a game where you could throw out um, you know where you can make mistakes and think you're gonna have a shot to win this game. So they gotta be much better this time around. And yeah, it's gonna be tough without Book Knight. Andre Jackson, I sounds like could be back, but I'm not 100 sure. It sounds like there's a possibility, um, but it, it's you know again I, I'm not very um, confident on Saturday, but um again kind of get the rebound here yeah i mean it's, i think it's gonna be a brutal game on saturday i mean you remember Boke Knight scored 40 points in the game they played in december so i think it's gonna be a brutal game on saturday even uh, even if uh this is what's linsky if he doesn't play i don't think yeah. it's gonna uh, Serzowski, i don't think it's really gonna matter i Brayton wins this game by double easily easily by double digit from what i saw uh it, it, for most of the game on monday i think creighton wins this one by double digits Really? I think you kind of can keep it close. I think they can. Yeah, Bogan Knight scored 40. They didn't have Polly, though. I know Polly wasn't great Monday, but again, you take him off the floor um, with just his shooting ability. But again, Polly really can't do much else and shoot the three ball. Um, but yeah, you know, um, yeah, they, they got to have another guy step up. Yeah, 40, 40 of their points came from Jay Bogan Knight. They scored 74. So. Yeah, they need a they they really need a call. They really need Martin, which actually I forgot. About. Martin did have the layup yips at Rhode Island, so this is nothing new for any you kind of deal. You know, he he had not been able to convert layups when he was at URI. Um, but yeah, you know Martin, Polly, Cole, even a Whaley who could score, he can kind of score twelve to fourteen a game. Even him, he's got to probably be in the double digits. With how small they are and like with the way Creighton plays, I don't think we're gonna see a ton of Sanago again. I don't think we're gonna see a ton of Carlton. So I think Whale is probably gonna be playing the five most of the game. I I, I think you know I'd, we'll probably see a few minutes of a cook a cook, but yeah, they they somebody's gotta really step up this game. Even two guys are probably gonna have to step up to score enough points to be Creighton. Absolutely, absolutely. It should, should be it should be a tough one on Sunday, but if you kind of could win it, that would be a big win. That's gonna wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R and J. For Jace Garcia, did a great job today. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next Wednesday on my birthday recapping the conference championship games. So everybody have a great weekend Enjoy and enjoy championship Sunday. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard.